0: We want for the rest of the evening in a way to give a kind of support structure for our retreat. We'll do that in a few different ways. I'll give a brief overview of the uh, trajectory of the retreat, the kind of practices we'll be working with. And then we'll bring in the support that we find in remembering our deep intentions with the refuges, the precepts that give, help give as much as possible a sense of safety and, and integrity in the practice. And then we'll just finish with a, with a short sitting. I think we're both excited about this retreat because it has a scope an explicit scope that one doesn't find typically in other retreats. In a way, we are touching with considerable depth, we hope, the core forms of meditative practice. The core kinds of training that take us, we might say, from ordinary mind that we find uh, present a lot, the -the on-the-street ordinary mind, we start there and we go through practices that help bring us to what we might call uh, awakened awareness. It'd be nice if that was—we uh, all would achieve that at the end of the retreat, and that'd be the end of one's spiritual practice. But <laughs> actually, in, in a lot of traditions, actually touching a kind of awakened awareness is sometimes seen as the beginning of the path, right? Because then, of course, one has to uh, stabilize that awakened awareness more and more, first in meditation, then increasingly in daily life which has, shall I say, its challenges. (laughs) Yeah. So, we're going to be working with three main practices that have a, a trajectory moving towards that kind of awakened awareness. And we have also two support practices that are very important to keep us balanced in a way The initial practice, much as in our daily sittings, is concentration practice, is the stabilizing of the mind, the settling of attention. And some of you have done our typically nine-day concentration retreats, but much like in that retreat, we'll be doing dedicated concentration practice, which means every moment we come back to the object. For most of us, the breath. And we do this very uh, continual training in concentration, which actually, uh, for many of us, in a short time, can actually uh, help us go uh, fairly deeply. Um, Concentration is not a great translation of samadhi. Samadhi is the word, as many of you know, probably most of you know, in the... um, Asian language in, in, in Sanskrit. I think, is it in Pali? Is Samadhi also the word in Pali? I think so. And uh, sometimes it's translated, a little bit better translation would be the, the unification of mind and heart and body. As a way that there is a kind of a gathering so that we are, are unified. Concentration can suggest this kind of willful, willful focusing And the concentration is almost more whole body, whole, the whole of our being is together. That samadhi or unification of mind, heart and body is crucial to develop further to be able to see clearly. To be able to see through the um, habitual patterns and the constructions that preoccupy us most of the time. And so we'll be focusing in the instructions on giving a number of pointers that help us wherever we are be more skillful in concentration, be more skillful in that unification of mind. Again, the rationale is that this is really crucial for being able to um, really cut through that conditioning. From From the Buddha, practitioners develop concentration. A practitioner who is concentrated understands things as they really are. And so starting tomorrow after breakfast, we'll receive instructions from, from Brian, our initial concentration uh, practices, our, our, our guidance for that. And we'll be, we'll be checking in probably at least once or twice further during the day just to see if there are any adjustments that can be made that can, that can help us to uh, really make, make good use of the time and then the, uh, the next morning, I'll be giving some further instructions that particularly focus on some characteristic challenges in concentration practice. We'll, we'll be doing that from the beginning, but I'll, I'll bring in some further, further pointers there. The second area, and we'll, we'll roughly work with concentration practice uh, exclusively the first two days. And then in the further days, we'll uh, often be doing concentration practice for a good part of every session. Because in a way, what we're, what we're pointing to here is a way of practicing in which we, we hope that there's... A, considerable development using these different kinds of tools, but it's really a kind of practice where we see where we are and all we want to do is be as skillful as we can in the moment. And here we'll have multiple tools. We'll have the concentration practice, we'll have the practice of looking uh, carefully at three aspects of experience, Impermanence, uh, what's usually uh, translated as suffering, dukkha, but I, I like to translate it as reactivity. You know the tendency of the mind to be reactive. We'll be looking at that. And then the, the sense of uh, self and the possibility of being with experience uh, without so much of a sense of self. What we, I think we both like the metaphors. Of a thinner sense of self, <laughs> not in the physical sense, because if we did that, we'd have you know a huge number of people want to come, <laughs> develop a thin self. You know. <laughs> you know. um, but looking in these ways, and really a training, which in, and in the tradition. Those three areas are taken to be the core areas of insight, as many of you know. That the areas of liberating insight are precisely insight into impermanence because we tend to, partly through the influence of language, we see the world and objects as somehow permanent and we see ourselves very much as permanent. And we are caught by reacting and going for, grasping for what we want and pushing away what we don't want. Very dominant in our experience. And so we we look at that carefully. And then thirdly, we look at this construction of self. And we learn to be with experience often in a way which is um, uh, not so dominated by what we call a fixed self. And actually pointing that we actually experience that way more often than we think. It's not so, and we, partly we wanna, that teaching of anatta uh, or not not-self is often one of the more mystifying teachings. We wanna demystify it, make it very practical. The whole uh, week we wanna really have this be simple and practical and hopefully profound. <laughs> that's, that's, our, that's our intention. Practitioners develop concentration. A practitioner who is concentrated understands things as they really are. And what does one understand as it really is? One understands impermanence. One understands uh, dukkha or reactivity. One understands anatta or not self. And from the uh, Thai teacher, Achan Cha, teacher of jack cornfield and significant influence here at spirit rock before long knowledge and insight into impermanence reactivity and not self will arise this is the beginning of true wisdom the heart of meditation which leads to liberation so we'll be emphasizing that and focusing especially on that in the third and fourth full days Again, we'll be continuing with the concentration. So concretely, we may be developing further concentration and then turning to look, let's say, for a period of time at um, impermanence or at the flow of phenomena and tuning in to impermanence, seeing that quality more clearly. The third area is one that is uh, called by different names. We've used the name and the title, Spacious Awareness. And we're pointing to a kind of awareness that I think probably most of us have touched at certain times, which is in a way beyond the usual uh, mode of experience particularly beyond the way of experience that uh, structures experience with a knower and a known and a division into subject and object, self and other, in which the, typically the aim is for the self or the knower to know and manipulate the world of objects and we move into a kind of awareness which is beyond that uh, division. This is from a student of Achan Chah, on Amaro. The aim of the practice is subjectless, objectless awareness. The heart rests in the quality of open, spacious knowing. And there is the recognition of the mind's own intrinsic nature. It is empty, lucid, awake, and bright. And so in that third phase, we'll be opening or offering the possibility of opening to that kind of awareness through through different practices. And then as much as possible, having those moments of what we might call spacious awareness, or I use the phrase awakened awareness, seeing if that can, can last a little longer, have a little more duration. But just the touching of it can be quite, uh, quite wonderful and powerful. This different language used again in the, uh, we find that uh, that sense of awareness pointed to by the Buddha. We find it uh, in the uh, Thai forest tradition very prominently from Achan Cha and a number of other teachers and we'll be bringing in their work. And at the end of the retreat, uh, we're gonna give you a, a compilation of readings and quotations um, so you'll hear some readings at times, but some of them you'll be able to take home. So we want to give those resources out, uh, but I'd like you to actually move more into the experience than the reading. So we're going to do that at the end. And then there are uh, two practices that I've called support practices, which could, in a way equally well be done more of the time. One of those is metta. And probably many or most of you have done metta. How many of you have a regular practice of metta? And how many of you have received instructions in metta? Yeah. So we'll be bringing that in typically at the... um, uh, 9 o'clock, sitting in the evening. We're doing some metta practice and then chanting. I'm going to be doing a kind of refresher, met, optional refresher metta set of instructions tomorrow afternoon for anyone who needs some uh, refreshment in, that, in, in terms of the instructions. That'll be optional, be during a walking period. But that'll be available. And so that, that practice with the uh, with the kind heart is really crucial. It's really crucial that that uh, interfuses these other practices. One of one of my uh, Tibetan teachers, uh, Mingyur Rinpoche, uh, he says if you do a number of practices more or less the same days, they will mingle. And I, I like that. Uh, so we do the metta, and some of us may do more of the metta than simply that uh, evening sitting. May wanna bring it in, maybe even wanna start metta as a concentration practice. Some of you even may have your concentration practice be metta, if that, that, that is possible. Uh, but more importantly, we wanna have that quality of kindness and compassion really interfuse the, all of the other practices and hold everything with kindness. You know, for example, there are occupational hazards with concentration practice. Uh, a main one is is striving, you know, and i got to do it. I'm going to concentrate. You know, and um, that can sometimes be uh, a little distant from the kind heart. So we want to have the, these practices integrated in a way and so we're going to be bringing in the metta and some of us may want to do more again than that's simply that evening session you're all experienced practitioners so a lot of what we're going to be helping uh, everyone with is really developing more and more skill we might say in the art of practice ultimately we become our own teachers and we say what where am i now What do I need to, whatever, come into greater balance or uh, address what's happening, whatever. And then the last practice is uh, body practice of qigong. And uh, every morning in the main hall, actually, we're going to do qigong. Uh, And I'm I'm actually going to be teaching it uh, my own teacher is Tija Bell. How many of you have studied with Tija? That's great. So you'll probably hear some of, some of his turns of phrases and maybe even jokes. <laughs> so You'll have to laugh appropriately. <laughs> so uh, Tija has, I've been teaching Qigong for, I've been a student for quite a while, but I've been teaching at my retreats for about a year and a half with Tija's blessing and, and guidance. So, so at first we were just gonna do it here Uh, but the uh, people in the other retreat, uh, they thought they wanted it too, so. So what we're gonna do is uh, tomorrow morning, or every morning at uh, 6.15, we'll meet in the lower hall, so everyone will be, people from our retreat will go down to the lower hall, and we'll do the qigong uh, together with, with the other retreat as well. It'll be about 25 minutes. It'll be very simple and gentle, standing qigong for anyone who hasn't done it and uh, um, it can be done sitting in a chair if that is important for anyone if there are any limitations um, we could find ways to make that work for you my mom used to do it sitting in a chair you know and uh, it's fine And so we'll do that in the morning when we, it'll be about 25 minutes. We have an hour for our period before breakfast. So we'll do about 25 minutes Qigong and then we'll walk back up here and go to our places here in this hall. And the Qigong is wonderful in a number of different ways. Uh, It actually can be very significant as as probably as some of you know for concentration. The uh, activity of the mind is very related to the body as many of you know, and the settling energetically and in the muscles and so forth in the body is a very, very wonderful support for the settling of the mind. And you may experience that if you haven't uh, yet, that uh, doing the qigong uh, can sometimes uh, settle the mind very, very, very nicely. In fact, uh, I've often, uh, not often, but a few times, instructed people who, were, who had very, very active minds. They found uh, the, just doing meditation didn't quite do it, but when they did something like qigong, it actually did it. Something got quieted because, it, because of the mind-body relationship. And so we'll be doing uh, qigong in the morning and then uh, more briefly in the afternoon, just the first two days uh, during the days of practicing concentration, we'll do about 15 minutes of qigong right at 2.30, which is uh, a primary time when concentration is sometimes harder. <laughs> Following wonderful food offered by the cooks at Spirit Rock, and a nap or whatever. So we'll do a little qigong there. So these are the, these are the uh, five forms of practice. And in a way, maybe I'll just finish up with a, uh, one or two other thoughts. Um, I think we're both uh, energized by this retreat because in a way, what we're doing gives the core practices of this whole path in one retreat, right? That these really five areas really lay out the core practices of our, of our tradition. And so it can, it can really give a sense of the map of practices and you might have a sense, oh, I want to develop further here. You know, where you might uh, feel really drawn to, to one of these or want to bring one of them into daily life especially. And so we, we like that sense. And the, the talks will typically... Um, help introduce the practices that we do the next day. Tomorrow will be especially on concentration, but then the further talks will tend to work with what we've been doing and start to introduce further, uh, further practices. The last evening will be, and, and some probably during the last day, will be emphasizing how to bring this all into daily life. So that will be, that is on the agenda. For right now, we can really invite us all to drop in to this uh, period of training, this period of really developing in the core skills of our practice. That's what the invitation is. Thank you.